everybody. Welcome to Church and Other Drugs. I am not going to say the thing today, except you're the congregation. Welcome to the show. Um, Today, man, we have another Josh Patterson episode. Everybody's favorite Josh Patterson. And here's the deal. We're trying to do Josh, Dan, and Jed round three, I guess. How many have we done? One or two? Um, but Dan just had a baby. Congratulations, Dan. Um, so he's not going to be able to do it for a while. So in the meantime, me and Josh just talk about a little bit of everything. I, I always love our conversations because it, he it's, <laughs> he really challenges me to think about some things in a different way. Josh is kind of going through um, a different... I mean, how, do you, how would you say it? His... His thinking about God is is shifting, but I, I will let him tell you himself. Um, once again, you know, sign up for Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash church and other drugs. Even, you know, listen, a dollar, five dollars, like it really, really helps me to, to continue doing this, especially since uh, I have more responsibilities now with a kid. It's harder. I mean, this is, this is like another job. I love doing it, but... If you appreciate the show and you get a bunch of free content, I would, you know, appreciate uh, a little patronage. It feels dirty even saying that, but you know what I mean. Like, if you feel so inclined, that'd be awesome. If not, enjoy the stuff for free. I really, um, well, the, the free thing you can do is just tell your friends about it. Word of mouth. That is what keeps this thing going. Um, I got a lot of feedback about the worship episode we just did with the Desperados, so we will be revisiting that subject because apparently it touched a lot of buttons but i've, I've gotten some good pushback on it so we, we will talk about that uh if you want to discuss more uh, or if you want your opinion discussed send me an email church of the drugs just figured out to uh that to record separate audio tracks on zoom i haven't been doing that and apparently it's gonna make it sound a lot better because i always wonder like my mic when i do my intros the mic sounds better than my mic on the zoom call and that never made sense to me so maybe this will work interesting we're gonna find out together i know because yours sounds crystal clear well i guess i don't know how mine sound to you because i can't hear it but josh patterson what's up What's up, dude? I don't know, man. A lot. <laughs> a lot. Way a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, this is pretty cool. I'm like, I can see you on this really big screen. I've never podcasted with like such a large screen. I feel like you're in the room with me. It's very, the, I was going to say the camera is very crisp. Uh, it feels the, a lot, a lot more intimate. high def. Yeah. High def. Well, hashtag it's my wife's computer. So <laughs> I, I didn't realize, I didn't realize you had face tattoos. Boom. Yeah. Look at all of those. It says always tired under my eyes. Exactly. You know, just With like post Malone. Three three Z's under uh <laughs> man, God bless Lil Zan, that poor fellow. Seriously. Still trying to make it. <laughs> <laughs> oh dude. Uh, What's going on, man? Uh, not too much. Um, let's see. I got we got our Christmas tree today. That was kind of cool. Um a real one? Yeah, a real one. Oh shit. Yeah, my wife's pretty into that. Uh I grew up with a fake one, but we do the real thing here. You don't have you don't you don't have cats, do you? I do. One cat oh. named Banksy, but he's pretty good. He doesn't uh fuck with the tree ever. He doesn't he doesn't you don't get the good picture of like him staring into the lights with giant pupils. I always get my cats go <laughs> right under and just they're just looking at the light. I wonder what it looks like to them. I don't know, but he does do that. He will stare at it. Yeah. Like I really 
I'm very curious what uh like I think I've seen but I don't know if it's real I've seen like this is what a dog sees and it's like all in grays and weird stuff but it's like how did it, are they sure that's what it looks like or because apparently I like I just took my dog for a walk which is why it's on my mind and <laughs> the way like apparently they're olfactory receptors in the brain like make them see in a different way because it's so overwhelming like that like they kind of like i almost imagine it's like pepe le pew like there's a little Mm. they're following a little uh you know the little smoke trail of the like a little smoke trail yeah Yeah. i don't know because they they literally it's it's like you can just watch them investigating the world through their nose i wonder what that is like yeah, and I, I know too, because I, I saw, a, saw a documentary recently with Noel. I think it was on Netflix. Um, it was talking about dogs and how they're like, I guess they also, part of how they, it's not really seeing, but part of how they navigate their world, the world is with, um, basically they have like heat vision, which is pretty sweet. So it's why like one of the reasons where if you're like sitting on the sofa and then you get up and then your dog like quickly sits there, it's because like your heat signature is there. So it's warm. So they know. So like, I thought what, that was kind of wild. <laughs> dude, yeah. So my dog, cool. my dog started this new thing where she will get up, go to the sliding glass door, uh, like acting like she wants to go out and I'll get up and open the door and she will haul ass and just jump in my spot. Like she has learned to trick me into stealing my seat, which I got to give props to. That's pretty good. That's pretty smart. It's pretty smart. I was Our, really, uh... no, go ahead. I was going to say my dog, I have, so I have three dogs, but one of my dogs, Knox, he's the smartest out of the three. Uh, he will always trick Katara into like moving or like going where he wants to go. So for example, she'll be like laying on the sofa where the sun is coming into the house. And he's like, Hmm, I really wish I was laying there. And then what he does is, is he'll go over to the door and act like he wants to go outside. And then Katara will get up and run over to the door. I'll open it, knowing exactly what he's doing. They'll both run out. As soon as she goes down the deck into the yard, he'll turn around and come back in and lay on the sofa where he wanted. It's so smart. Is Katara a Avatar reference? It's, well, so, yes. Avatar Last Airbender. Yes. Yeah. 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 My my cat's named Milo. Oh, nice. (laughs) Sweet. (laughs) And I had a a cat named Appa. Uh, Oh, nice. Yeah, dude. How are you looking forward to the Netflix live action? Uh yeah. I mean, I'm hopeful. I'm like, cautiously... I hope it doesn't suck. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I I enjoyed that show. It's been a while since I've watched the whole thing. It was like back in college. Um Did you watch I really Le- really enjoyed it. Legend of Korra? I have not watched Legend oh of Korra. Oh my god, dude. My friend Brandon's been on me about it for like a really long time. You need I just to do it. Listen, this will be, you know, Jed's official recommendation. If you're ever looking for, if you have kids too, it's amazing. So like, if you want a kid's cartoon, that is not a kid's cartoon. Start with Avatar The Last Airbender and then watch uh, The Legend of Korra. And it's, dude, it's just so, a lot of people, I can't turn them on to it. I don't know why, but it's so good. It just has some of the coolest, most creative shit in the world. And like, the music is incredible. Jeremy Zuckerman, dude. It's just a great show, bro. You need to watch it. Sounds good. Well, I, I already buy in because I, I really enjoyed Avatar The Last Airbender enough that I watched it and then I showed my wife and she watched it, which I thought was a big deal. Um, and then it's a, we did it's a tough sell. Katara, so, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it a tough sell out. getting getting certain adults to watch cartoons. There's yeah. a Scavengers Rain. It's a new HBO animated series also highly recommend it's super bizarre um anyway listen dude you know what i've been (laughs) i guess i i am driving myself crazy i don't know why i do it or my it's the algorithm that is really messing with me lately but i for some reason so i used to late at night uh get stuck on prosperity gospel preachers on tiktok and just like um, Jesse Duplantis, um, Kenneth Copeland, um, who's the creepy smiley guy? That sounds like Kenneth Joel Copeland. Osteen. You mean, oh, Joel Osteen, yeah. Joel Osteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I would just sit there and just get infuriated, right? Get infuriated. 
And so I guess because of that, now on my Instagram reels, when somehow it has shifted me into like Christian talk or like Christian reel. And dude, influencer Christianity is also driving me insane, dude. I can't take it, I, but I can't it's stop. Wild. It's yeah. so wild, man. Like they're, dude, it's, it's just these like fresh faced, like beautiful you know, influencer men like in a field reading a Bible, telling, <laughs> telling, telling me why I'm a dirty sinner or that I need or like, you know, either chastising me or just telling me how how devout he is. Or like it'll be a it'll be a, a you know, a setup camera shot of somebody weeping, listening to a worship song and just like, oh, my God, this just breaks me down. <laughs> or or it'll you know then I'll get stuck back on Jesse Duplantis talking about how he has the biggest house in Louisiana and how many square footage it is and then in the comments there's like people defending him talking about like y'all are crazy Jesus was rich do you know how much myrrh and frankincense was he was set for life from the I swear to God this is what from I read get go <laughs> from the get from the gifts of the Magi he was set for life he was rich his family was rich and they're like he traveled around with an accountant and and Josh. I'm pulling my freaking hair out, dude. Like I need to stop. I need to quit. But it's it's the, it's the it's the train wreck principle, dude. I cannot look yeah, away. That's hilarious. <laughs> Luckily, I don't have too much of that. I mean, my uh, Instagram reels have been coming a bit more Christianized recently, just because of some stuff that um, one of my friends always sends me. But there's some like pretty funny. Uh, they're like, I don't know, because it, it goes, I want to, I'll like critique the other side of the spectrum too, because there's a whole lot of like deconstruction influencers and all that just like, I get a lot more of that in my feed. Yeah, I do too. And some of them piss me off just as much as these people doing the silly, like crying in a field stuff. Give me an example. It, well, I don't like, I don't know a name off the top of my head, well, but there's you know. so many people that are just like, they say things and act like they know what they're talking about and they just don't. Oh, and they're super confident. They're super confident or they're like, oh, well, did you like know this about the Bible? Well, now the Bible's ruined and the whole thing needs to be thrown out. And you're like, oh, yes. Yeah. It, so it's like what frustrates me is it's people um, and, and I'll say hopefully they're well intended, right? Intentioned. I'll give them benefit of the doubt. But what they're doing is they're speaking to a vulnerable group of people and feeding them bullshit because they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. That's... And it it pains me because it's like these people don't need this nonsense. Like, here's really good scholarship, you know, that you can check out. And it doesn't mean you have to, like, stay a Christian or, like, think the same things you did about the Bible. But at least go to people who know what they're talking about. And so that frustrates me. And I, I get annoyed at those videos. And then sometimes... They draw me to make my own videos on Instagram where I critique that person without saying that's what I'm doing because I don't want to start fights on the Internet. It's silly. Yeah, I, I do a lot of. It is silly. I do a lot of and I did it. I was, you know, I was doing a bunch of comedy reels and most of my reels were a direct uh, lampooning of something I just watched and a lot of them were like people that were that I'm friends with and I and I, I had to be like oh, I hope they don't realize that I'm just absolutely like I'm so God, it's just the narcissism on display where it's just like come get ready for me here's my day like and you just do nothing like who gives a shit dude nobody why are you doing this I, that's that's the super cynical uh, version of it and the other you know whatever it's a harmless fun but i also i am a big believer that we really went off base when we stopped using the internet for just like like comedy and making funny stuff and sharing ridiculous videos like it got way too serious and way too involved and this was this is also what made me mad and i guess it's because i've been you know we've been podcasting for a long time and i don't know I guess it kind of started with like Andrew Tate and like this weird. I wish I could go back to the genesis of it. Maybe it's Joe Rogan type thing, but it's it's there's so many of these. If I hear the word entrepreneur one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. OK, it's all these videos of it's either just people with 
fake ca- stacks of cash that are just like, this is how I made $10,000. And, or it's a video. This is a real thing where someone said, it's so crazy that people think a million dollars a month is a lot of money. And it's just like, what are you talking about? Or all just these weird alpha male crazy things that are going on. And I realized like these, these people do not need a microphone. And do you not understand like that you are, they do understand that they are influencing young people in, in rant for now. Dude, my, here's my hot take on all the like Andrew Tate, Joe Rogan, alpha male stuff. If you make podcasts and Instagram videos and YouTube videos and write books about how you're an alpha male, that's a real bitch move. Like alpha males don't go around telling everybody how much of an alpha male they are. I don't even like the alpha male language. Like, so let's put that out there. But I think it's funny when, cause it's kind of like that projection kind of thing where it's like this real, I think it comes from a lot of insecurity. Uh, and I'm not a psychologist, you know, we'll let Dan Coke do that stuff. Um, but that's my hot take is like, if you're going around saying I'm an alpha male, you're not. <laughs> like you can't you don't have to get on the internet and blast that to people yeah uh, i think it's silly maybe i'm wrong but i, I that's my hot no it, it is silly <laughs> and well and it's the other like disturbing trends is all the advertisements i see for boner pills to be like cialis so like there's now like a i guess at some point it became an, an over-the-counter non-prescription medication but they're they, there are ads marketed to young people to take, it's just, it's generic Cialis. And it's like, number one, what, why? You know, and, and then I, you know, it, I've met a lot of people with the, uh, can't remember the, it's porn induced erectile dysfunction where it's like, we, dude, things are really getting so twisted around that people are, imbibing so much pornography that they can at you know 18 19 20 years old that they can no longer physically perform because they're not used to reality like that is that is not good and then all you have the fitness influencers just completely basically telling 20 year olds to start taking steroids which is also wild like it's just things that we didn't oh god here we go I'm a, I'm a dad we we didn't have to deal with that kind of craziness you know the only steroids was like hulk hogan and schwarzenegger back then yeah yeah and also you are a dad congratulations that's oh, pretty you. exciting yeah i wow. guess the um either the pills are working for you or you don't need them clearly <laughs> absolutely <laughs> I, I have i have a subscription i mean I, i'm allowed to to comment on it because <laughs> Dude, That's well, not, so how long has it been now? Uh, almost four weeks. So, um, November 9th was when she was born. So you're Seems... basically a pro now. You can write a book about it. Absolutely, absolutely. Instagram it's, it. <laughs> it's it's hard not to, and I guess maybe that's. I mean, I saw it before that lens. So, like, here was my thing. Everybody asked me why, you know, I was afraid of having kids for so long. A big reason. Uh, number one would have been because of how I was when I was a kid, Miriam and Jeff, you guys are saints. Don't know how you did it. Uh, number two is because for seven years now I have worked with drug addicted preteens and teenagers or parents, or I basically I've just been inundated and swimming in the very worst case scenarios of kids. And it's it's hard not to be like, oh, my God, what would I do in this situation? I don't know. And any it's like I I have actual evidence for like ridiculous fears. You know what I mean? So it's just like, geez, it's it's tough. It was tough to uh, finally make the decision. Yeah, well, I mean, um, Noel and I so. I know you have you have a few years on me. I mm-hmm. think I'm trying to think. I think you are in between Dan and I, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm 30, 36. 36. 36. I'll be turning 30 in 20, whatever the next year is, 2024. So I'm 29 currently. And my wife and I haven't had kids yet. Um, 
it's definitely on the like list of things we would like to do, but also it's like a weird, I don't know. Like we're almost 30 and we're like, Oh, well, I guess that means we should have kids. But at the same time, it's like, well, I, like daycare is expensive. And like, you know, the, these kind of things. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's an interesting, you got time. I, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, you know, um, yeah, 36 and 42 were our ages. So like you got time, bro. Uh, yeah, I will, yeah. I will say it's awesome and you should do it. <laughs> that, yeah, that's, well, I mean, I, I realize that's what everybody says, but like it is, it's, it, it is the, and a lot of people warn me, they're like, don't be surprised if you're not immediately attached or whatever. That, that's sometimes normal for dads, but it, it was pretty simultaneous when I heard uh, my daughter cry and it was like, oh, holy crap, here we go. And there were, you know, I don't know if it's biological or what, but it, it you know, because I guess my whole thing was like, oh, it's going to be, you know, I'm, a, I'm selfish, you know, uh, <laughs> it's going to be inconvenient to have a kid. Um, and I don't, uh, I don't know if I said this on the podcast before, but I, I kind of figured out maybe a source of why I didn't like kids. And it was because, you know, I was so um, like raised by TV and movies and stuff. And I, I like would reenact that in my life that every, I remember any time a, a baby was introduced into a movie or a sitcom, it was like a stumbling block plot device. And so basically the, the baby just ruined everything. So I think I took that in my mind. It's like, dang, it's just going to ruin your life or just be this thing. That's just annoying, which I thought was pretty hilarious, but turns out if it's yours, you really love it. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that's pretty sweet, man. I'm excited for you guys. Uh, I have some like good friends of mine that recently announced that like they're pregnant, which is cool. Like I'm at that age where my friends are doing it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I did go to a, like a private uh, Christian college. And so I have friends who like had kids immediately. Like I have <laughs> friends I graduated with that like have three kids already. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like, you know, more power to them. I don't know how they do it, but uh, I don't either. I thought about that. Like if I had a child when I was 20, like, Oh boy, that not, that would have been different, you know? Fuck. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know how that would. So yeah, and I, I, I'm with you. I don't know. I think in the, um, I mean, part of what I was excited about was I wanted the perspective that people told me about that. When you have a child, your ideas about, god and your relationship to him will shift and so i was like okay that's kind of what i want and the first thing that happened was me i had this this thought that because my baby was she was just crying like just for whatever and i was like so we do that exact same thing like because i think it was like a week before that i had like a really uh desperate prayer with God I was by myself and I was crying and really just kind of like wailing and I was like it's it's all we are all we are are these scared little kids that really don't know what hurts we just know it does and we are just screaming to our father to do something and I was like that's that's interesting yeah, dude. I mean, you just described why I'm still interested in uh, theology and philosophy. <laughs> yeah, because that's my way of screaming into a void or something like that, or trying to trying to find something to ground myself in, um, you know, crying out to God, these kind of things. I mean, that's ultimately what uh, what I'm doing. Like at the end of the day, it's what I'm looking for, you know. Uh, so I think that's interesting because uh, I think even even on days when I maybe um, intellectually am having a hard time, I'm like, yeah, I don't know what I think about God today. Um, if something goes wrong or if I'm like trying to fall asleep or I had a bad day or whatever, I still find myself praying or like, um, like asking God for help or trying to like, I don't know, tap into this connection that I felt like I had when I was, you know, I don't know, even six years ago or something like that when I was still a pastor. Um, so I think like, I don't know, it's interesting to me as well. You think that's a bad thing? 
I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, um, you, you almost you almost said it like uh, I don't know why I still do that. <laughs> no, yeah, hope I don't mean uh, for it to come off that way. Uh, or I did think more you? so just like questioning, like, hmm, this is interesting, kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Realizing it's like your default mode network. Um, yeah. So, th- so this is the this is the other the other thing too, and I'm definitely going to get to like your current beliefs, but and I so. I, uh, we went to a wedding yesterday and I saw um, one of George's friends used to go to my church that I used to go to. Um, and she stopped going before I kind of stopped going. And so I've all, I always wanted to know, like, and she was like super involved the, the whole deal. And then one day she just like, wasn't there. And I was always curious, like what happened with her? So I, I saw her at the wedding and I got a chance to kind of be like, yo, what was up? And it was kind of the same thing, but, even more so with her, she was at um, a church that uh, we took over their building because that church fell apart because the pastor uh, got caught. Basically, I don't know if he actually slept with some of the congregants, but he tried to and the whole church disbanded and fell apart. And so like she was part of that. And then with with this current church, she just realized it was it was stuck in like the seeker movement thing where it's just all about like it's like what are we doing is it all is all we're trying to do just grow for the sake of growth like what what is going on here and just kind of getting disillusioned with the whole thing and so i brought up yeah that is that is my current question is how do i raise my daughter to love god and to have a relationship with god and not be spiritually abused and and it's because I was talking to John, the old co-host of the podcast about like, yeah, I want her to like experience like youth group and stuff. And he was like, you mean the thing that like ruined your life? And I was like, it both made me who I am and caused some of the most harm of who I am. So it's a really weird. I don't know. I don't know yet. Thank God I have time, but I don't know yet. Yeah, I I mean, uh, Noelle and I have talked about like I said, I've talked about having kids and we've, that question has definitely come up. Like, how do we want to approach that? Cause like, there's so much, there's so many good things. Uh, but also there was a bunch of not so good things. And so I know, you know, you can try to control for that, but also at the same time, I feel like you can't, you can't control all of it. Like there's not going to be a perfect church or a perfect place or even like just as a parent, like Dan Koch says this on, on his podcast a lot where he's like, it's not like, uh, how's he say? It? It's not like if you're going to screw up your kids, it's like when or how. <laughs> so it's like, I think the church thing might be the same. Like it might just be a, kind of baked into it. I don't know. Maybe that sounds too harsh, but um, that- yeah, because I, I don't want them to miss out. Like there's really cool stuff. And Noelle's the same way. And like we, her and I don't even like go to church currently. Um, I mean, I work in one. I don't know if I, did you know that, that I'm not brewing anymore? I work in a church. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I did know that. I did so know there's that. There's the thing. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know if that had changed again, but okay. Yeah. And no, I work in a church. So like, but I haven't, I don't attend it. Um, That's funny. Yeah. That's it's cool. Is that, that not a, is that, that I was about to say, is that not a requirement? Nope, it's not a requirement. Um, so what do you do there again though? Is something with the web? Yeah, so I'm the parish administrator at a tiny little episcopal church here in Maryland. That's uh, okay. pretty cool. I mean the priest Derek is sick. Um he kind of I mean not to the same extent but has like somewhat of a similar story and background. He's only a few years older than me actually. I think he's 36. Um and he kind of grew up Southern Baptist. His dad is a Southern Baptist pastor. His grandfather was a Southern Baptist pastor, went to Southern Baptist seminary, all these kind of things was a Southern Baptist pastor. And then, you know, for a variety of reasons was like, nah, this ain't it. And now found himself as an Episcopal priest. Um, So it's kind of cool. It's an, it's an interesting space. Well, so going on that. So what's the newest Josh belief system? Like what, what you had said, I don't know if it was like what you had, who you had talked to, listened to, or something you read, or like a combination of all of it. But where, and which the whole thing is just so fascinating since you used to be 
a pastor because I think it's still certain roles have so much baked in baggage where like, oh, you assume this about this person if they are this. And so it's it's I I will honestly say like it, it is both refreshing and a little scary because I guess it's because I, you know, having this idea of, and I've talked about you, you and um, Dan about this, where it's like people that seem like they are okay spiritually. It's like, okay, that gives me something to strive for. That makes me know that something solid is out there. And so hearing about someone that's like, was literally, you know, a pastor and is now this, it's like, well, then what, you know, what does that mean? Yeah. So I, I mean, I still, I still would use the word Christian, but like in, I don't know. I'd want to be careful with it because in certain spaces, that's going to mean certain things. But like to you, I'd be like, yeah, Jed, I'm a Christian. But like if I was talking to like someone in the brewery and they asked me and be like, well, what do you mean by that? Um, So like I still, and here's why. I think the, I still find the the language and the stories of the Christian faith to be both meaningful and the character of Jesus animates me. Um, and when I look back in my past and I see how um, my belief and, and connection with Jesus um, made me what I was at that time, uh, I don't think I have lost that kind of like, like, I think it's always been there, I guess, is the way I would say it. Um, and it's like just what I'm comfortable with. It's the the language I grew up with, the story that I grew up with. And so I still think that's a thing. But I've most recently been doing a lot of um, reading and study in um, religious pluralism and like comparative uh, religion, these kind of things, which, you know, we did a bit with uh, Coke about that a little while ago, which was fun. But like, that's just, um, that's been pushing me a little bit. I mean, my whole like, uh, process relational kind of understanding has definitely pushed me a lot. I mean, that looks, my understanding and conception of the divine is so different than it was even three years ago where I had this kind of external God figure that's out there somewhere. Um, where now like God is for me, the divine is both imminent and transcendent. Uh, present in and through all things but all things don't exhaust who god is um like it, i don't know it's just it's shifted a lot so it it feels hmm i this is hard to say it feels less like i have i don't have as much like solid ground in the sense of like uh i know this to be true but the image and understanding of the divine that i currently have is so beautiful that I really hope that it's true. And it's a different way of uh, kind of holding and approaching things. Um, and so th- this guy, Aaron Simmons, he's a philosopher and he asks this question all the time that has always stuck with me. And it's what is worthy of your finitude. And so for me, where I'm currently at the image of the divine that I'm holding is one that's worthy of my finitude. And I think it's beautiful and it's worth risking my life in the direction as if it's true because it's 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 beautiful and i hope it is <laughs> does that well, make sense so that was a lot i gave you nothing yes. solid very yeah. airy fairy <laughs> i just fair. I more so gave you how i'm holding it less than here's what i believe <laughs> so how is it living out how does it live uh i mean i think it it's living well uh hopefully um i mean i i hope like i mean it still makes me want to live like jesus kind of thing well um well i guess i meant more yeah are you are you content and happy do you feel do you feel spiritually at at peace at ease with it yeah so i think I mean, if you want honesty, where I'm at currently, the thing I'm missing the most is I used to have this like real strong contemplative kind of mystical bent to my faith. And I, you know, I used to do a lot of contemplative prayer and like these kind of things, centering prayer. And I haven't done that in a while. And that aspect feels lacking for me. I feel like 
I, when I stopped being a pastor, my faith went from like very heady to kind of this more grounded, contemplative, mystical kind of vibe. And I paired that still with the headiness for a while, but for whatever reason, that mystical bent has kind of dropped off a bit. And I've definitely found myself much more in my head. I mean, even to the, mm. to the extent where I would say I'm a lot more philosophically minded currently than I have than theologically minded. Um, and I think I'm not afraid of that. I think ultimately it's all going to come back together. So I'm just trying to yeah. like, embrace what's happening now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was about to say, I mean, that's how I am. And it drives me crazy. And it's it's it really was one of the appeals of heroin and drugs because it mm. turns that thing right off it. The the cacophony of voices just distill to a beautiful whisper, right? Everything just be it's great. Uh, it was great um, <laughs> until the voices are replaced with demonic screeching. But so, yeah, I, 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 dude, I'm, I, I'm way too much in my head. I know that I probably should pursue uh, more contemplative stuff. Um, I wanted to ask, and this is going to be super personal, but like, so what? Because I'm so guilt-minded so I, i'm curious so like if i had to ask you what is the biggest area in your life of sin or of rebellion against god and like what like what are your struggles yeah that's a good question um i think i would say well, and it's ironic because I literally have a beer in my hand right now, but I think I, I think I drink too much and that's something that I've been working on. Um, like I've been using this app called Sunnyside and have been tracking my alcohol intake and these kind of things. Um, and not that I think alcohol is inherently sinful, but when it's used, uh, inappropriately, I think it can be, um, and I don't think I'm necessarily an alcoholic per se. Like I don't need beer, but um, I think if you looked at like whatever the FDA says, like how much do you drink? Yeah, you're an alcoholic. <laughs> it's more, so, and, and, and this this can be a question for yourself. It's yeah. Uh, it yes, the FDA has their or um, DSM has their. If it's this amount of drinks per whatever, uh, more so to me, it is what happens when you drink. And is there, um, is there time and is it growing where you think about the next drink? Um, no, not really. It's more so just like, I really enjoy, I really, it's just like genuinely enjoy beer. Like I love it. I don't like, I'm not somebody who, um, and I'm not like dogging on anybody, so don't hear it that way, but I'm not like somebody who goes out and buys like a 30 pack of natural light or Bud Light and just has that in the fridge. If I open my beer fridge, there's like 40 different kinds of beers in there right now. So it's like a wide variety of spectrum. I just like trying everything, but then ultimately what happens is like one beer turns into four beers and that's not like excessive but that's a lot <laughs> like compared well and to normal people <laughs> a, another question is have you ever ever set out to drink one and drank three instead um i mean most definitely but like i i mean every once in a while i do a check with myself just because like it freaks me out where i'll be like okay can i just like not drink today I'm like oh yeah cool no problem and so I'm I like I'm still able to do that. I'm still able to be like um, most of the time, like I'll have a limit on my like on my phone. That's how Sunnyside works. You like keep reducing it. So like we'll have it'll be like days like during the week where it's like two beers only. And then on the weekend, if you're like having fun with friends, it can be more. So I'm like pretty good. I can consistently hit my numbers right. Um for Wolf. Well, sometimes there's definitely weeks when I'm just like, fuck this app. I <laughs> Yeah. You know, so. Did- did the drop in contemplative prayer and that sort of thing, was there a, did it drop as drink drinking rose? Like, have you found it as a, you know, that the, the old thing of why they called it spirits and it's the whole thing of um, idolatry and 
So things like alcohol, things like sex, things like money can be fantastic replacements for God. Right. Mm -hmm. And and especially Mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of what I see. Like the whole issue with Western culture is that our society (laughs) is, is set up very well that you can go through life and never need God. You know, right. You know, some people are, are lucky like that, especially especially the wealthy. It's like, yeah, I'm I'm good because all of my needs are met. So that's the other thing, too. And that's probably the biggest thing with with me is that very quickly and I'm not saying this with you, but um, very quickly, substances will become a replacement where it's it's I find myself uh, relying uh, even subconsciously relying on them for the comfort that I normally would seek from God Hmm. sort of thing. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I haven't really thought about it that way. Um, But I mean, like you said, that doesn't mean it's not a subconscious thing. That's definitely something I'd be interested in exploring. Um, But I don't know, because I feel like I feel like I've I've I'm still constantly in search of uh, the divine and connection with the divine. And like um, with alcohol, for me, I don't like I have friends, for example, who become like angry and belligerent and these kind of things. Um, If I have like a beer or two, I get very emotional and like text my friends how much I love them. <laughs> oh, and yeah. actually my my like if I were to sit here and have um keep drinking beers and you kept asking me a theology question, my answer would probably become more orthodox over time <laughs> or more like my like Christology might increase or something like that. Um yeah. but yeah, I don't know. That's that is interesting in some what is it in Wien of Veritas? Uh yeah. in wine truth. <laughs> Yeah, that and so there's, you know, that's going to be one of the questions I ask God when I get there is were psychoactive substances put on this planet to give us a uh, higher access to the spiritual realm or mm. are they not to be used for that at all? Cuz I mean, you go back to shoot, what? Like before 19 like 1920 and below like apparently the population of the earth was just consistently drunk because water <laughs> wasn't good. Like you had full of bacteria, but like beer and wine would stay. And like, it was right. much less alcoholic, but the fact remained that like, dude, everybody just drank all of the time constantly, especially, you yeah. know, and back in uh, the, the Bible days though, I did read, uh, we've been reading Proverbs and it was the proverb about, um, avoiding the uh the gleam of wine in the glass and that it it Mm. is so attractive but it leads to ruin and stumbling and um why i saw a proverb the other day that says like um what was it basically like drunkards don't drink during the day and i was like well i guess the bible's not inerrant because they don't know about day drinking yeah right (laughs) they haven't figured out day drinking yet dude yeah and it was funny because i was it's when I make, so I make the bulletins for the, uh, the Episcopal church that I work at mm-hmm. and um, they're very liturgical. So like I type out a whole bunch of scripture. There's always like, um, uh, old Testament reading Psalm an epistle and then the new Testament. And so like I was typing out a proverb bit for the thing and that's where it came up. It said something about like drunkards only drink during the day. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. It's yeah. It, all that's all that it will forever be just incredibly interesting to me because like I've, I have had spiritual experiences, especially on, on hallucinogens. And there are people that argue that things like, um, things like frankincense and some of the, uh, ceremonial wines used in the temple were hallucinogenic. Like there, there is like people that argue that fact that the, uh, substances and herbs and all these things used back then in in temple things actually had like psychoactive properties whether or not that's true i don't know um i could completely see how when 
And I also think that, you know, the Nephilim are the ones that told humanity how to do it because that's what it says in Enoch. And it makes sense to me. <laughs> uh, what what makes here's here's um, this is my one my one paragraph argument. What makes more sense that somehow a person tried to ex- with with no knowledge of how it worked, went into the Amazon, found a root and a leaf and figured out that if you combine them in a boiling stew, they produce ayahuasca, right? So they were like, one day I'm going to go find two different plants and I'm going to combine them and boil them and produce this hallucinogenic effect that I've never even heard of out of the trillions of plant species. So you got that anthropological explanation or, you know, it was a divine secret that was taught to mankind and, you know, someone told them. And that's what the people would say. If you trust the ancients, they said, oh, yeah, we got told. That's how we know. Nobody says we did this shit by accident. <laughs> right. Anyway, so. <laughs> no, so, it's interesting. I so I don't I'm like I have something spinning in my head and I don't know if it actually would make sense or not. But like uh, it'd be curious. So. Um, I have been doing a lot of like philosophy of mind stuff recently because mm-hmm. it's really interesting. Like what is consciousness? Cause no one knows what the fuck is consciousness. Um, and like the two kind of main perspectives that have been most prominent uh, have been um, basically like some kind of reductionistic materialism where everything is just matter kind of thing. Consciousness just grows out of matter, something like that. That's like the leading scientific perspective in Western society. Then you have like spiritual dualism where it's like, okay, there is matter, but there's also spirit. This is most common. Like a lot of, well, a lot of Western Christianity is very dualistic. Mm -hmm. Um, It's pretty popular. You know, people have taught about this. Um, And that's kind of been rejected by the science community as like, oh, that's like weird uh, religious stuff. But there's a third option that I find most uh, most appealing, I guess. And when it first came out uh, or when it first was being talked about, it kind of got um, made fun of and straw manned and to the point where like people were like, that's so dumb. No one's going to believe that. And recently it's had this like big like reemergence in philosophy of mind because people still don't know what's going on and like it's being taken very seriously at this moment and it's called panpsychism or i prefer to call it pan experientialism and the idea is that consciousness or experience is ubiquitous everywhere so even down to the smallest thing whatever the smallest thing is um has experience that doesn't mean it's conscious i'm not saying that like it has feelings but its level of experience is not zero and so you have consciousness essentially um it's like i said it's ubiquitous it's it's in and through everything um and so that's really appealing to me it's interesting and somehow to me if that is if that's true then the kind of like ayahuasca thing could make sense somehow because like if you know and if you believe in something like collective consciousness like bring in carl jung right who does like this collective consciousness thing where like um like ideas have to exist somewhere right so, in order so to be the- real they exist in a mind somewhere we can connect to that mind so like and if everything is mine i don't know so I, like this sounds the plant like itself weed, <laughs> so the, the plant itself called to us is what you're, is basically what you're saying maybe I that's don't know. that well that that <laughs> is that is i mean they call it mother mother ayahuasca like that is what people would say what's even the the more interesting oh so there's a project too um god what is it called uh a this is wildly interesting to me, but uh, this guy figured out how to. Um, so ayahuasca lasts, I don't know, like four, four to four to six hours, something like three to six hours. Um, and if you smoke it, it's even less. Smoking the MT, it's like you know ten minutes. Uh, that feels like seventy thousand years. Um, so this guy figured out how to uh, hook people up into IVs and slow drip 
DMT into them to create a prolonged ayahuasca trip. And his goal uh, is to map the DMT space uh, because this is the thing too, is like there is agreed upon entities and geographical locations within the DMT space that people across the globe have all experienced. And so his goal is to literally he calling himself like a, you know, a psychonaut going into this space, like the matrix space for a prolonged period of time and, and creating a map so that you can guide people to go to these places in the DMT space. It's that's the experiment that's going on right now. But the freaky thing to me, and it all kind of ties into the current UFO thing that's going on and Nephilim and the spiritual realm and the, the possible convergence of everything that's going on. And it goes back to what you're talking about, how dogs see heat. And I, I interviewed this, um, this guy about UFOs and he's a Christian. And he basically was like, if there is a concurrent spiritual realm, it could be something like, we just do not have the, we did not evolve the sensory organs to detect it and them us. Right. So that, that is a very possible thing. I mean, cats and dogs and plants and insects see things that we cannot see right humans have stripes that's the crazy thing uh we we are striped under certain light that's my favorite fact um and so people on dmt are experiencing this the same female deity and a lot of people uh equate it to this this outside force council trying to make contact with them and to speak to them and so it's one of those things that it very well could be possible that taking this substance creates a sensory organ that allows you to interact with this space and i don't where i'm unclear on and i'm leaning toward malevolent is if that is a good thing or not if that should be happening if who are you talking to do you need to open yourself up? Is it a two-way channel where like uh, you're you're turning on a lighthouse where you shouldn't and so you're attracting things? Um, that's the thing I think we are moving toward a massive spiritual um, because the the leading theory on and I mean like not idiots like the leading theory with a lot of these military people is that, the UFO phenomenon is not extraterrestrial. It is extra, extra, wait, how do you say it? Ultra terrestrial, where it is these things that are on Earth with us in a concurrent dimension uh, that have been here long before us. And that's what they are. And it's not an alien thing. That was a whole lot of things, but. I think some shit's about to happen. I just do. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean it's super interesting, man. I don't I don't know enough about like DMT and psychoactives and stuff. I mean, I've I've read a cool book, um, Processing Reality, um, which is really cool. It's like a guy, uh Buchanan's his last name. I believe it's John Buchanan. Um, and he kind of details his experience, like he kind of grew up doing all the drugs and this kind of thing. Um and that was like sober, but like he he writes about like psychedelics through a process relational perspective. It's a really interesting book. Ooh. Um, yeah, send yeah. me the, the name of that. Okay, can do. Um, but when you're talking, so like, because I don't, I'm not like, I don't know. I'm not up to par on like UFOs and these kind of things. And instead of like some conjecture, I want to throw at you, because I told you I've been thinking about like religious pluralism. So I want to try to put the lens that I've been using for religious pluralism into this kind of like DMT experience with this female deity kind of thing. Do you think that is that cool? Can we yeah, try absolutely. that? Right. Yes, of course. <laughs> so here's here's the idea. And this is it's going to sound kind of crazy, but Hell um, yeah. within. So this is a very uh, coming, assuming a process relational metaphysics, which is way too much to explain in one episode. Uh, people write 500 page books trying to explain it. But essentially within this perspective, um, it has been proposed that perhaps there is multiple religious ultimates. It's not the idea that there is more than one God, 
but that there are there are multiple ultimates. So for example, the most simple model is offers three. So you have the you have the primordial nature of God, the consequent nature of God, and creativity. So basically, you can think of it as like um like the essence of who God is, uh actual occasions is the process word. So like things that actually happen, and then creativity. And so um a really easy way to think about this is to say, um, well, here, let me take a step back. Why this matters. A lot of times within religious pluralism, what people do is they will say like, oh, all religions are interacting with the same God and they just don't know it. Like you write like Buddhists are secretly hanging out with Jesus or something like that. The problem with that is, is within mystical experience. um, And I, talked about being a mystic. I, I enjoy them. I've had mystical experiences um, within my Christian mystical experiences. I experienced the divine as very personal, right? Buddhists, when they have mystical experience, experience the divine as non-personal or this, you know, religious ultimate as non-personal. So both of us can't be right. If I were to say that the Buddhist experience of a non-personal ultimate is the same experience of my deeply personal ultimate. I'm not only doing a disservice to Christianity, I'm also doing a disservice to Buddhists. And I I feel like if I'm going to say I want to take Christian mystical experience seriously, then probably if there's other religions purporting to have mystical experiences, I can't just say fuck their experiences. Clearly only the Christian one's real, right? So if you have these multiple religious ultimates, right, you can say that the Christian is interacting with um, what would be, in this case, the primordial nature of God, or we'll just call it God, it's easier. Um, this deeply personal experience. Whereas the Buddhist, for example, might be experiencing the ultimate known as creativity, which is not personal, but it's still a religious ultimate. So it, they, they kind of map one to each other that way. Do you see what I'm saying? And so like- uh, I do, so- so if you if you get, if, <laughs> if you could imagine God being a cylinder, uh, the different religions are different roads circling it, hitting it. So you're hitting a different side. Is that what you're saying? Basically, like we are it would be Christians are accessing a certain side of God and the Buddhists are accessing a separate. Is that that's how I understood what you said. Is that not right? Yeah. And th- so this is where I'm still learning to have kind of like the the proper language for this because i don't think it's that it's different parts of god because then it would still be that oh there's just one god and secretly everyone's talking the same thing um i think they are actual distinct religious ultimates like i think there is well god do, what do you what is define ultimate like maybe that's where i'm confused yeah i mean things man i'm gonna have to let's see Give me a second here. I'm going to tap in and call. So, and, and, and so this is where, knows. and this is where I will. So while, while you're looking it up, so this is where yeah. where I get nervous with this stuff is because the uh, biblical and extra biblical explanation for this is that yes, there are lowercase g gods that would presumably have power to do things but they are the rebellious watchers and they are like false gods. And they literally like are deceiving different regions of the earth and they have dominion over different regions of the earth. So that would be the possible fear is that the deity that they're interacting with is not the true God. Yeah, sure. And that, I understand that. I don't know. I, it's going to take me a minute to find this. I might just have to text it to you later. But um, yeah, yeah. Because like that... David, so I'm pulling from David Ray Griffin and John Cobb talks about this. These are like well-respected, like leading process philosophers and, and theologians. They're Christians. Um, I'm pulling from Matthew Lapresti, another Christian who's a process relational thinker. So it, and I wish I knew it better. Like I don't, I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, and that would make the conversation more easy, but I am, I do have that. So here will be another moment of honesty. I don't know what I think about the whole like demons, blah, blah, blah thing. Sure. Um, but I've, I've had experiences in the past. I think I told you about this, 
that I like maybe would have it. I attributed to the demonic at the time, but now I'm like, oh, well, I, I had anxiety and I didn't know that's what it was. Um, but like, I don't know. There's some weird stuff. So I still I mean, I, I do think part of it is that fear. Like I, I get the fear of like, oh, what, what if you're like fucking with something you shouldn't be um, kind of thing. And that's interesting. And um, I don't have a good answer to it. And um, well, it- I mean, yeah, well, like, even to the world here, let me show you this. This was crazy. I had an experience recently with my um, a family member, just the odd chance that they hear this. I'm not going to name them, but we were just like hanging out on vacation. This person's not a Christian. They're like a Zoroastrian something or another. And they believe that they like talk with demons and can convert demons into angels and like purport to do this on a regular basis, like a whole bunch of stuff like this. We're like sitting at the table. I'm reading. And the dude just like starts trying to do an exorcism on me, like starts praying and like all this crazy. Wait, shit. wait, wait. The, the non-religious guy? Yeah. Well, he's a, like he's, oh, Zor- he's Zor- not a Christian. He's like Zoroastrianism. He calls himself like a uh, a diatheist, meaning he believes there's a good God and an evil God and they're at Ooh. each other. Um, yeah. And like there's the angels and demons thing. Okay. But he like started praying and like whatever. It was really weird. I mean, it freaked me out. I called Dan afterwards and I was like, Dan, I think like my uncle just tried to give me a fucking like exercise. You should have called me. Dan Dan's gonna give you a bunch of liberal <laughs> bullshit, dude. How did you feel? How did you feel in your spirit when that happened? I was just confused. Like I I didn't feel like there was any kind of like actual uh that is a pretty aggressive thing to spiritual do spiritual thing i mean i if more so like like not to like overuse this word but i felt like triggered in the sense mm. that it's like what the f- like what is happening yeah right now? yeah yeah because i've experienced i've had like there was an original religious experience i had in a church where a pastor like did an exorcism on me in front of like a whole bunch of fucking people Ugh. so like there's like I have these experiences. <laughs> yeah. And so like, it was weird if anything. Um, But I, like what kind of part of why I don't um, or why I'm uncertain about the whole demon stuff is when I do have these kind of um, religious experiences, mystical experiences where I feel like I kind of, uh, you know, sink in and kind of, I know it sounds weird, but like become one with everything. The divine that I experience is not, evil like none of these things it's it's love it's all encompassing it's beautiful um and i don't see how anything could exist outside of that is my my mm, thing. So like yeah it's okay. weird yeah, yeah 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 that mm. yep we w- once again we we dive into things that'll take seventy thousand hours to fully but that's why i love these conversations bro we're just stirring pots and, and settling dust but yeah i will say as a as a final statement on that i because I have seen, interacted with, been affected by, perpetrated uh, evil and and the darkness and the the dark arts, as Theo Vaughn says, and the dark spirits, I can't, um, I can't deny it. I cannot deny that it exists and that it's a thing. And I don't. Yeah, it's a thing. Um, so I hear you. But but yeah, it's like I um, but at the same time, it's like there's nothing, you know, there's nothing to be afraid of. And it's not like this thing is going to prevail or win or anything like I think it's just part of whatever the hell's going on here. Um, but we 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 got to wrap it up, unfortunately. Dang it. Because I, mean, I know. You could be right. I'm open to uh, I'm open to being wrong about the about the demon thing. I mean, because I definitely I mean, I think evil's real. Um, that's that's wild though that he just busted <laughs> out an exorcism on. I, I think we yeah, have to do dude. that next time I see my family. I'm just gonna. You should <laughs> start praying and like doing weird stuff, like asking, you know, call, seriously, like calling on angels to like surround the deck and like basically kick all the demons' ass that are like attached to the house, that are attached to the deck, that are attached to Josh, that are attached. Like really interesting. Um, really interesting stuff and i i don't know it was it was odd and then he just kind of like stopped praying looked at me and smiled and then got up and walked away and i was like what the fuck just happened 
that's that's like yeah it's like an almost like a spiritual rape it's just like what did you just do bro like yeah right or or maybe he casted out demons dude who knows he could have and, and if that's he did, the wild then, like, thing if he did then i'm like cool thanks bro like yeah. thank you for that i appreciate it <laughs> yeah that's like if they were there and they needed to be cast out then thank you yeah bro uh go go check out josh rethinking faith podcast um and then uh until next time we have them on josh appreciate it send me an email church and patreon.com slash church